When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. Andy Clark here, co-host of boxing podcast Macklin's Take, along with Matthew Macklin. But I'm here today to point you in the direction of another boxing podcast, one that I listen to myself and one that I particularly enjoy. It's the George Groves Boxing Club, presented by George himself, of course, but also another good pal of ours, Deck Taylor. And between the two of them, I like to think that they approach it in exactly the same way that, that we do. It's a nice, easy conversation. It flows well. I think they have a plan when they start out at the beginning of the podcast, but you couldn't really tell because it just kind of goes where it goes. They cover all the areas you want them to cover with the guests that they get if they're getting stuck into some more current topical debate. They're always very well informed and very well prepped and researched. Just great insight, good stories, and some good humor about it as well. Because these are two guys who, like I say, they've got all the knowledge you could want there between them, but they don't take themselves too seriously. And I think that's an absolute key for me in what makes it so enjoyable. So please do. Have a listen to that. Uh, give it a rate. Give it a review because you'll really enjoy it. The George Groves Boxing Club. I lost. I lost the fight and I stopped counting. Do like, you want me to tell you what your record was? So I miss that. That's what you miss. I do miss The sneaky that. body shot. A sneaky body shot. Calling out Lennox Lewis on Lennox. the podcast. I boxed Cole Froch at Wembley Stadium in front of 80,000 people. How about someone like Tony Bellew? You had me up until right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. George Groves, good to see you again, but what are we doing here? Deck, we're here. We are starting a club, right? This is an amazing club. It's our podcast club. We're going to take this new realm and we're going to deliver some quality content for not just the boxing fans, 
but the boxing fans and beyond. So what made you start this club? I'm actually retired, Deck. You know, oh, yeah? I, I'm retired from boxing. I yeah. didn't notice. I was wondering what is the next calling, and I think this is it. This is it. Um, I've realised, for a man who doesn't actually like talking, I do an awful lot of talking. How many listeners we've got? Let's get into nuts and bolts now. How many listeners we've got so far? Well, right now we've got zero listeners. You know, you don't actually have to box to join this club. It's not that sort of boxing club. It's a listening club. I hear you. <laughs> Pun intended. Did you get that? No, I missed that one. Listening club. <laughs> I said, I hear you. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> See, that's the level of comedy I think we should aspire to. So right right now, speaking of listeners, someone out there is our first listener. Our first real official listener, because uh, take out people yeah. who are essentially working on this, yeah, I mean, on this club. Yeah, I mean, they should be listening. Well, I mean, we want to grow the show bigger than the five people in the studio today. So have you got a plan? I've got plans. Yeah, go on. I'm working on episodes about sparring. There's episodes about ring walks, about pad work, about footwork, mm. contracts. Lots of things that are part and parcel of the boxing game. We might talk a little bit about Jeddah. We might talk about Vegas. I've been there. York Hall, boxed there. Madison Square Gardens, visited it. We'll go through nutrition. Uh, we got it all. That makes more sense to me now. The club is starting to take shape, I think. We're going we're gonna to release an episode a week. We want people... We want, we, we're going to... Be punji. This is going to be the best thing that people have ever listened to. The first episode, then, what were we thinking? First episode. We've got to me, start big. Me and you are going to talk about me. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to start episode one. It's going to be about me. It's going to be about retirement, which should lead nicely on to what happens in retirement. You start a podcast, and this is the podcast to listen to. We're here. The doors are open. I officially declare, Deck, the club is open. So, George Groves, you retired 2019. Do you know what your record was and how many knockouts you had? I think my son asked me. He's just My son's five. He just started um, being aware that I boxed. I'm trying to teach him that winning is the, is the absolute must. You know, there's, we don't celebrate mediocrity. I'm maybe not the best parent. And he asked me, you know, what, I think it wasn't what was your record, but how many fights did you win? And I don't know. <laughs> I lost. I lost the fight, and I stopped counting. Do you like, want me to tell you what your record was? Uh, I'm gonna. No, I'm gonna go. go, on, it, go. It was, uh, I lost four, and I won twenty-eight. Yes. There you go. How many knockouts? Twenty-one. Twenty. I've got here. Okay, here's one you definitely <laughs> won't get. How many rounds did you box as a professional? 172. No, 205. Oh. I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you what you probably should have got me on board for this because I did notice something. You mentioned you lost four. Frotch, Frotch, Jack. Smith, all four people with one syllable in their surname. What were you doing going near people with one syllable in their surname? You should have got rid of them straight away. I could have told you that. Anyone could have told you that. You should have stopped boxing people with one syllable in their surname. So now when you have a comeback, I say when, not if. Don't do it. Don't Don't fight Frotch. Don't fight Jack. Stay away from them. (laughs) Mayweather's easy. Easy money for you. Chudinov, who you won your world title against. Not Fury. Joshua. Fury's fine. That's two. (laughs) (laughs) I always feel like when a boxer retires... It's like a death, or it's the closest thing to death. <laughs> Sorry about just stick with me for a sec. But St. George Groves, that guy who used to run down to the ring listening to Spitfire by Prodigy, he's gone. And you wake up on Monday morning and you're George Groves, the, as you like to put it, the civilian. Living on Civvy Street. Civvy Street like the rest of us. It's awful, isn't it? Jesus, I, you know, I was once uh, a superhero. Mm. The end of my career, I was so tired. I was so tired, Deck. I know the feeling. You don't. <laughs> You're living on Civvy Street, mate. Where do you get the... I was tired and I needed a little rest. And that's the problem, I think, with these people that come out of retirement is they have that little rest and then they're like, oh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I've still got it. Because, I mean, you always think... You had a full house. I always think this. You 
when you retired, you'd won a world title. So you achieved your life ambition. You had money in the bank, I can tell from your motor. And you had all your <laughs> faculties completely. You know, you're, as we can tell, you're totally healthy, safe. Those three things I'd like to think is a, is a full house. Was that why you were so, it was so easy for you to, to walk away and to go, right, that's me done. I've got, I've got all three, I've got the hat trick. Yeah, I think so. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get into that, that situation, as you say, at the, the full house. In the end, I had to win that world title. I just kept um, falling over at the last hurdle. But then the opportunity came up for it against Fedor Chudinov of Russia, the former world champion. Bramwell Lane in Sheffield, a happy hunting ground for me, somewhere I used to uh, frequently visit as an amateur. Tough place to, to live and fight, you know. I was get on the train at London, at King's Cross or Euston, and it'd be sunny. And as you pulled into Sheffield, thunderstorms would start, it'd be raining and it was cold and dreary. And you're not in the nice part of Sheffield that's sort of like happening with the uni town that you're like out on the outskirts, probably where they used to mine. So that was my that was my my plan. I was like, win, lose or draw, I've got to win this tournament. And if I don't, it doesn't matter. This is this is it. Yeah, I had I had a sort of, I had a bit of an exit strategy. Maybe maybe not a lot of fighters have that. Maybe most fighters are probably not fortunate enough to be in that situation. But I loved the idea of ten years in and out. So I turned over at twenty, twenty years of age, and by thirty. That was going to be me done. I'd love to have gone out on a wind deck. But if I'd won, if I'd beat, um, beaten Callum Smith out in Saudi Arabia, in Jeddah, there was a big chunk of change on the table that uh, was hard to walk away from. They put a big win bonus involved in there to you know to try and um, prize a bit more blood, sweat and tears from you. They picked Jeddah. I thought that was interesting. We go to Saudi Arabia. Jeddah for the cheddar was what I was trying to <laughs> name it. Rowdy and Saudi. Rowdy and Saudi, yeah. I think we finally got there, but... Yeah, I just I was tired, then tired, and I think I, the idea of going back to the well and and trying to renegotiate another fight and trying to um, then sell it and go through with it just felt like something I wasn't keen on, something I wasn't really interested in at that point. So I loved, I loved the end date, and that, and that was that. And yeah, I mean, there was a moment even after winning the semi final against Eubank, sitting in the ambulance waiting to go to the uh, hospital with a dislocated shoulder. And I say to my wife, well, that's it. That weren't bad. That'll do. That's okay. And she's just like, ah, oh, shut up. Like, I'll talk to you in the morning. You're going to change your mind. You always do. I remember when you when you announced your retirement, a lot, by the way, a lot of fanfare around it. I remember when you announced your retirement, it was in all the papers. Everyone was talking about it. When that was all faded and you wake up the first morning and you're just George Groves, 30-year-old, by the way, and also have ticked the boxes and you've achieved your lifelong ambition, which... I dare say most of us, none, barely anyone has done that at the age of 30. A lot of people don't even know what they want to do with their lives by the age of 30, and you've done everything. What do you do when you wake up? What, what's the first thing on the agenda? Bowl of brown flakes or start crying? What do you do? Or uh, cry into the brown flakes? <laughs> <laughs> Bit of both. No, yeah, no crying yet. Boxing does this thing where you, you know, and as you go through the stages and you're in these bigger fights and, and it takes a little bit more time to prepare, but then you'll have a bigger rest after, so you have that downtime in between camps. And then I had this really intense camp for the last fight, which was five, six months in the making, where it was on off, it was on off, and then it finally happened. And then, well, naturally, you'd have a rest after that. And I'm still in that lovely honeymoon rest period, four years in, waiting for the next camp, next fight to show up. It's kind of how I think and feel. There's no anxiety about, right, well, I've got to get back, got to get fit, got to get back in the gym. I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I'm human, I'm a man, look in the mirror, I say, well... I still got it, you know. I, I still got it. Eight weeks off shreds. That's the that's the rule. Got to be at least a shortened camp to be fight ready. But don't ever actually try and test that theory because you know you're running the risk of disappointment. Dick. But 
that is more than enough for me. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I t- you know, my next door neighbour, Arvin, lovely guy, retired from his job. He retired exactly the same time as I did. And I tried to keep my, you know, I'm not sending out the group message to the to the WhatsApp neighbours, you know, saying, oh, you're right, lads, I've retired. But he had maybe read it in the papers or whatnot. Out of concern, you know, he's reached out to me. He's worried about me at 30 that I'm going to wake up we with all no were. purpose. Yeah. Um, and he's invited me along to a few of stuff that he, you know, he's got his own concerns about retirement. I kind of think we're on different pages a little bit, you know, but I really appreciate the sentiment. Um, he said, do we want to go play badminton? And badminton's one of them sports where you can't just muscle your way through. You know, I'm not going to get past Arvin with Arvin athleticism. Is, Arvin will smoke you, mate. And that was the panic. <laughs> that was the anxiety. So I've politely let him down like half a dozen times. I don't know how much longer I can sort of get away with it uh, before confessing that I just can't face the fact that you are going to smoke me at badminton. But, you know, there's 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 bike rides, long walks, loads of things that he's really good at. What, walking? Better than me. I'm not a walker, Deng. <laughs> I didn't walk for an awful long time. I'm a runner. You know, I used to run as a of kid. Course. If I had to get somewhere, I ran. And now I don't run, so now I drive. You know? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll walk the dog, but I, and I can't, so I can't stand still. Can't walk the walk. <laughs> <laughs> how old are we talking? How old's Arvin? You're 30. You retire on the same same day as Arvin. How old's Arvin? How old do you retire as a, as a, as a man now? Just in case I don't do many. I think it's 65. It might be 65. Could be may, maybe, a, maybe a little bit older. He looks like someone who would take the later retirement if possible. Legend. You know, because he loves, you know, he's, he's, like a go, you. he's a go-getter. No, the opposite of me. <laughs> yeah. I'm out. I'm in and out early. <laughs> I, I don't do overtime, Dick. I wanted to ask you as well, no offence or anything, but you were boxing at 12 stone. And I know at the time it was hard for you to make, I mean, it's hard for all boxers, it should be hard for you to make 12 stone. How did it feel knowing that you'll probably never, not probably, you'll never weigh 12 stone again? <laughs> <laughs> you will never weigh 12, 12 stone again in your life. People, you know, I, even people say, I've got no regrets. It's like, you've got regrets, right? There must be something. What's your one? I bought myself, I treated myself, <laughs> right, to a really expensive Tom Ford suit. Only off the rack... For the final press conference out in Jeddah, knowing that I was retiring and knowing that I was never going to fit in it ever again, <laughs> I thought it might be an incentive to stay in reasonable shape. I thought maybe I could get it, you know, let out a little bit. And I have had it let out a little bit. Still no good? And it's still no good. It's never going to fit me ever again. Been in the gym a little bit. Uh, I've had my uh, biomass measured or whatever they do dangerous know. business that yeah Stay clear and, that and i mean my, my skeletal muscle is above the 12 stone limit i'm never going to make 12 stone ever again no and it's fun until someone told me that very bluntly a year or two ago and it, it only just dawned on me then because uh i was like yeah sure i, guess I might still have it might, i could still throw a punch I could still do this but 12 making that 12 stone limit is not going to happen mm. when you retire you got nothing in the distance so do you just go like that breaks you off forever and then with that in mind how easy is it to just get totally overweight very quickly i think it must be i mean again no offense intended yeah (laughs) (laughs) just from looking at you right now you'll get you'll go on tv and you'll do it you'll do a spot for sky and then you know because of my history with cole frotch they'll put me next to frotch and he could do 12 stone he's still 12 stone like i think he has to eat up into that division you know he looks like you know i think he's just the rage that, that flows within him burns up calories. And it's not fair, because I'm standing next to him, like, and the camera definitely adds £10, and Frotch adds another £10, and then, you know, I'm getting fat-shamed on uh, on Twitter. 
and I'm looking in the mirror going, Jesus, like, I'm, I'm eight weeks off shreds. Why, why am I getting through, right? Then people will come to your rescue on Twitter. And that's even worse. Oh, no. You know, it's like, leave him alone. Let him eat his pies. He's done his hard work. The burning question is, what sort of weight do you reckon Arvin's at at the moment? What weight is Arvin Yeah, what, what do you reckon he's weighing in at? I've got a lumpy size advantage on Have Arvin. You? Yeah, yeah. Height and reach and a little bit more as well. I mean... He's lean. You've got to get Arvin on some scales. You've got to weigh him. Because I'm picturing a sort of rangy, southpaw, welterweight sort of counter-puncher who's amazing at badminton. I'll get him on the scales. Yeah, I'll get him on the scales. I'll, uh, I'll just get a knock on his door. <laughs> I've got scales indoors. I'll just give him a quick knock. He's always there or thereabouts. Yeah, he's got nothing to do, has he? Well, <laughs> I mean, if he's out on the walk, I'm not chasing him down. I'll never catch him. He walked miles and miles and miles. He's a fitness man, I know. So, um, but I'll get, him, I'll get him on the scales. No bother. Has he, have you ever seen him doing those walks in a sweatsuit, full, full like towel around the head, all that sort of stuff? I haven't. Like Cuban style. But I don't think he needs it. Oh, they're that's, the dangerous ones. Yeah, I mean, as soon as, as soon as you said Southport, I could see it in my mind, <laughs> and anxiety hit right in straight away. I was thinking, oh, rangy Southport. He's, he, yeah, but then straight away visualised that on the badminton court as well. And I ain't got the knees for it, Dick. They no. squeak now. I think he knows it. it. Yeah. He's heard that. Okay, I'll ask you a bit more about those knees in a sec, but we'll have a quick break first. Well, you talk about your knees creaking. What sort of things are you actually getting up to these days when you haven't got a camp, when you haven't got a fight? Well, that's the question. I mean, I do the school run, which is fun. But you don't run it. No, I don't run it. No, not anymore. I have to have this conversation every day with with the parents that drop off. I've made some friends, you know. Lad started school a couple of years ago now. So, and that's the hardest thing is, what are you doing today? And I just lean in and go, nothing. <laughs> and these are some of these people there, you know, they got they got very important jobs. They've got to rush off. I mean, they're not always there for the school run. They're either on work or a conference call or a meeting. And it's tough. It is tough for me to rack my brain and come up with stuff to answer them with what I'm doing. I mean, I, I, and this is like something, the podcast here is something I'm really excited about, but I ain't going to tell no one in case it's shit. <laughs> but if it's really good, then I can say, well, I'm podcasting Do podcast today. now, actually. I'm a podcaster, yeah. yeah. A few things that have been on the back burner deck. I know one. Go on then. I remember vividly you wrote or started to write a sitcom. We're all still waiting for it to drop. Now you've got no excuse. Hey everybody, sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in health, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes, it's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desiring Capital podcast coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go. This is so crazy. Yeah, I, I, I lost the hard drive for that one. Oh, um, no. the, the sitcom, it was, it was. I mean, it was a masterpiece. I need to find that. I mean, there's probably a couple of bitcoins on that fucking hard drive. Really? As well. Yeah. No. I mean, if it was, <laughs> I would be trying to find it. Uh, it was It was like, ent- do you remember Entourage? I remember Entourage, yeah. It was Entourage meets in between wow. us of the boxing world. Mm. And I was with the Haymaker. David Hay was the, was the face, and then it was the, all the guys inside the stable and the moving cogs. 
and lots of funny shit would go on day to day. I can imagine. And I realised that this is like entourage meets in between us. <laughs> There's some gold in here. And I started noting a few bits down. Might, might revisit it. What are you missing though? Because you mentioned David Hayes' gym there, for instance. You know, your life was totally different a few years ago. What do you miss most? What does everyone miss most, do you think? Some people miss the camaraderie of the gym. When I was at the end, we was in Shane McGuigan's gym. We would describe that camaraderie as shit chat. Yeah, um, lots was, of it. There was lots of shit chat around. Um, and that's uh, why he started a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the sort of the training, dieting, getting into shape, getting punched in the face, that sort of stuff you can kind of leave, leave at the door. But punching people in the face was always a lot of fun. And I don't do that a lot now. One, because people... It's, 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 it's illegal. It's illegal, yeah, mm. it is illegal. And two, no one wants to pay me for it. So, mm. um, you know, you, you get spoilt like that. What about the buzz? I can only imagine, or to be honest, I can't imagine that buzz, like like you said, Bramwell Lane, outdoors, Fedor Chudinov, ref waves it off, all your wildest dreams realised, got the belt, WBA champion. What about that? That buzz is gone. Yeah, that buzz is gone. But um, sometimes there's, a, there's there's quite a bit of stress, and then there's quite a bit of actual relief, you know, when that fight is over. So, so Bramwell Lane winning the belt, fourth attempt, it's a, it's an amazing feeling, it's sort of but of sheer relief, you know. I had my two mega fights uh, against against a Brit in the UK against Froch, but I lost both. <laughs> One, I was rendered unconscious, as, as he so eloquently describes it, staring up at the stars in Wembley. When I when I when I get the homecoming, I beat a, a lovely young man named Chris Eubank Jr. Defense of my world title belt. When people probably had me as a as an outsider, an underdog for that night, I dislocated my shoulder. So uh, yeah, I was trying to do a, a lap of honor with with one arm up rather yeah, than that two. That's a mad one. I remember that. It sucks the fun out of it. I don't know if anyone else dislocated their shoulder. It does. It sucks the fun out of the room really, real quick as well. I don't reckon you're totally done yet. Maybe because I remember when you retired. Let's not forget. You turned your back on potentially millions of pounds in one potential rematch against James Gale, someone you've beaten twice already, and you said no. So we need to start now thinking about what it's going to take to get you back. Make me an offer. I'm thinking, well, let's write off Saudi, don't fancy that. No. You ticked Wembley Stadium already. Done it. Done it, didn't quite enjoy it. Stamford Bridge, never happened. Smaller. Smaller, but it's your home. Bit more. Bit more. What about Vegas, the new stadium in Vegas? I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. Let's go new stadium in Vegas, go 10 million quid, 50% of the UK TV, 50% of the US pay-per-view. <laughs> At light heavy, so you ain't got to make... You had, you had me up until light heavy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cruiser, but it means you've got, a bit, you've got to fight some big 200-pound beast. So look, work with me. I'll fight anyone. Like... <laughs> if Arvin's cruiserweight, what do you reckon? To put him away. For Arvin at Cruiser. Okay, um, I don't fancy your chances, mate. No, I mean, nah. But you nah, did Las Vegas. Keep, keep... You did Las Vegas, didn't you? MSG. Okay, right. Think yeah, about that. that the Mecca. Yeah. The Mecca. Again, you can choose your weight. We'll say 10 million, 50% of the UK and the US. You can pit your opponent as well within reason. We can discuss that. And you've got 12 weeks. Yeah. Yeah, uh, okay, yeah, right, we're, back. We're, in, we're back in the we're room. We're back in business. We're back in the room. Um, okay, I just need to stump up 10 million quid from somewhere. This People better listen to this podcast. Don't know what we're going to pay the opponent yet, so they could be terrible. I was looking at your record. The geezer you beat on your debut, I think Camille Posonko, something like that. I think it's time for a rematch. Pasonko. And I have no idea what he weighs. Kirill Posonko is a um, 
I think he's from Latvia. Or he Liv- was Latvia. Yeah. Latvia, yeah. And uh, I used to have a regular sparring partner called Sergey, who's very good friends with Kirill Bashonko, and he would show me pictures and and videos of Kirill, who not just boxed, but did very impressive street dance. Really? Yeah. So we it could make it into some sort of like tournament format where it's not just boxing we're competing in. I don't know what other talents he has, and the big final could be. Badminton. Cookery. I've already got a no, coach for badminton. it. I've already got a coach for it. Stick it. Yeah, it's true. This, this, this could, this, this could be it. It could be it. Ten million quid, though. I mean, if we t- if we're watering it down, I might have to knock a couple, <laughs> couple off. But it's still decent money. He'll want some as well. Let's get Pasonko in. He might still be fighting. I, I haven't checked his box rec lately. I mean, you paint a good picture of retirement, to be honest. But there must have been there must have been a bit of difficulty there. There must have been a dark time. What do you reckon for you? What was the hardest bit? The hardest bit about retirement. Essentially, you've lost your identity to a certain degree. You know, you are a boxer. You know, I've been a boxer in my mind since I was 10 years of age. And then introducing yourself as as a professional boxer is is who you are. And now you're in a a different world, in that civvy world, where you expect to be at that level that you're at in boxing in the next field that you choose to be in. uh, And you're not. You realise that, you know, it's going to take some work and some effort. And that's kind of why you feel packed in boxing, is because you don't really want to do anything strenuous for the foreseeable future. Do you feel like people treat you differently, speak to you differently? Maybe people who were friends or you thought were friends or were part of the journey, but now you're sort of, that journey's over, that interaction's changed at all. Yeah, and you and boxing moves on real quick, you know, real, real quick. I'll be at a show now and then uh, a dad will come up with his teenage son and say, we're big fans of you. We remember this fight, that fight. And then he'll go... David, David, come here. Because the kid's name's David. And then he'll say, right, look, it's George. And he's like, yeah. And then he's like, George, George Groves, Wembley. And he's like, yeah. I was like, hi, David. How old are you? He's like, I'm 14. I'm thinking, oh. he ain't got He was eight then. He was eight. If that, he was younger. So I said, come, let's have a photo. Yeah. So we have the photo. And I go, that's another satisfied customer mm. not everyone will gravitate towards me at a boxing show I mean that's where I obviously will get recognised most because there's a lot of boxing fans but there'll be some because you know, I haven't been on Instagram that week that uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm ignored all them all them fights all them big nights all them world title wins yeah boxing moves on moves on real quick who, who stands out to you as I'm really glad they retired then or if they talk about oh, I'm coming back out of retirement is there anyone you thought yeah no that makes sense or have you shot at it I don't think that's the right decision. Yeah, I mean, there's been a few, haven't there? Because you've got to think about age-wise, like I said with you, that you always think before 40, you probably still got a chance of hanging in there and going again. I remember being at the Ricky Hatton when he boxed Senchenko. Remember that when he came back? And that, for him, was one of them where he'd obviously got knocked out badly by Manny Pacquiao. So he felt totally unfulfilled. He couldn't walk away from that. So he was like, I need to go again. And he went again, and he got all the weight off. He ended up getting stopped, body shot. I remember it. It was... You know, it was a big fanfare, big night in Manchester, full, and then he gets hit by his body shot. Ironically, a body shot, Ricky Atten was putting everyone away with them in his career, then he ends up doing it, whole place goes silent. Afterwards in the presser, he felt, it seemed like he was, he was content. He, he lost, he got stopped in Manchester, but he was like, that's fine, I can do that, I can't do the Manny Pacquiao defeat. What happens mainly is people keep going on longer, they keep going on for too long, don't they? And you can, you can see it. Like Roy Jones Jr., one of my favourite fighters ever. I feel like if he'd retired against John Ruiz when he won the world heavyweight title, if he'd retired that night in the press conference, we might be talking about him as the greatest ever. Like, certainly top three, five. But because he didn't, and he's still going, and he's 
getting knocked out in Russia and all this sort of stuff, it just tarnished that legacy a little bit. And now, of still great, his achievement up to Ruiz is not changed in any way, but it's sort of tarnished it a bit. And I think it's impossible to avoid that. And that's why when, you, when I see you and you think you'd retired at 30 and you'd done it, to be honest, I remember thinking, he'll come back. Well, never say never, Beck. <laughs> I'm waiting for that contract to show up from you. <laughs> and talking about the dad and the son who want to talk to me and and have a, you know, the dad remembers Wembley Stadium, but if I come out of retirement now, the son ain't going to know about that. He's going to be thinking about this version of myself and maybe it's not quite as good as, as it once was or it's a different sort of setup. There is that nostalgia. If your favourite fighter decided to come out of retirement and have a move around, you know, is it like going and seeing the Rolling Stones now? You know they're not as good as they used to be, mm. but it's still going to have a great night. I look at Mike Tyson and Roy Jones, that sold well on pay-per-view, that, and that was a spa, basically. That's not even a proper fight. So, like, yeah, I think it is a bit of that, that nostalgic feeling. But then the funny thing is, is that it can go too far, like what you said with the, the guy and his son. Are there enough people who remember you, not you, but remember the boxer that was coming back. Are there enough people to make it worthwhile? Because there's probably nothing sadder than a comeback that's not worthwhile commercially, financially, but also doesn't tick the box for them because then they're still just going through it or maybe end up losing, putting themselves in harm's way. And nobody cares. That's got to be the saddest thing. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely when no one cares. Um, and no one cares. Because that's really what boxing's about, isn't it? People caring enough to watch you have a fight. I boxed Cole Froch at Wembley Stadium in front of 80,000 people and um, I lost. And then we went back the next fight and we went back to Wembley Arena. I was there. Uh, it's not quite as big as the stadium. 8,000 people capacity and we struggled to sell tickets. Really? And it was, yeah. And you're like, I was there three, three months Louisa ago. Or a brass? Rebras, Rebras, Christopher yeah. Brass, European Good title, fire. final eliminated for WBC world title, world rank number three. Um, fall from grace, deck. Oh, it's tough, mate. It was tough, but that you know. So I'm, I suppose I'm fortunate enough to have uh, experienced a few of these things along my way that will correct me along the way. I've got an idea for you, deck. Go I'm on. sitting on this one, another one in the old think bank. Go on then. Prize fighter legends. Oh, what weight? Anyway. Okay, we'll just assume everyone's about 15 stone. Yeah. Okay. Right. And then anyone who's kept themselves in shape, yeah. who goes in it, right? We need eight. We'll get Mike Tyson in because he's, look at him. I mean, he's still flying. I've got to be honest. I'm trying to keep costs down keep a little bit. Down. Yeah, keep costs down. Cheap. Yeah, well, it needs, to, it needs to, in, enough big names to sell out Wembley. We'll sacrifice a bit of cheddar. Would they? I'm, I'm, see if the mic can pick it up. Yeah, no, that little bunch. A bit of bunch. A bit of bunch. A bit of okay. bunch. I reckon we get Joe Calzaghe in. Ricky Atten's having a comeback already. Lennox, get him in. I guarantee be up for it. We'll get you and James in. You and James to go. Me and James will go in. Yeah, because yeah, everyone will be hoping for that as the final. Get Actually, Froch won't because of his nose, will he? No, Froch is... I mean, Froch... Is that for it? Froch will go in, yeah. Okay. So we've got one space. Uh, how about someone like Tony Bellew? But I, know, I was thinking yeah, Bellew. Thinking Bellew. Him. I'm thinking then, with all that in mind, weight-wise, I'm thinking it's either got to be Andre Ward or it has to be Mikel Kessler. Yeah, Andre Ward just about made a doc about his life, so he'd probably be up for it for the publicity. Although right. if he loses in the first round, it's going to kill the sales, isn't it? But Ward probably won't lose. He won't lose, will he? He'll win it. He'll, he will, just like and the he's Super the only six. one who's not British. Yeah, he'll, ah, and he'll talk about it for ages, will not he? Yeah. I'll tell you what, stick him in. Who are you picking? Quarterfinal. This is interesting, actually, because you, like, you're giving weight away to some people. You don't want to kill the DeGale final chance. I'm sure you love Ricky Hatton. Yeah, Ricky. Ricky's probably the smallest in there. Yeah, I'll, I'll be able to keep him at range for three rounds, I reckon. Yeah. But he's a body snatcher. He I don't want that heat. Joe Calzaghe is 
obviously the the legend. And he I throws like, four hundred punches around. Yeah. I don't know how I can beat someone over three rounds if they're going to throw that many punches. Yeah, Lennox is a slow star. <laughs> He's a big puncher. <laughs> <laughs> so calling out Lennox Lewis on Lennox, the podcast. I'll go DeGale. So you're going to go James DeGale in the quarterfinal? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, DeGale. I think because I, I know him. I, but yeah, it's you, enough. You know, you, know. It, you, you know, you don't you ain't got really much time to warm in. So we're going to do free threes. Are we talking all on the same night? Like a prize fight? Can you imagine the same night? Yeah. So Groves DeGale, one quarterfinal. I think we have to go Lennox. And just to be, just to be serious, we're probably going to have to put him in with Tony Bellew. So we say Andre Ward against, who was the other one? Joe Calzaghe. Yeah, that's, that's always it. the and that gets rid of one of them, which get, is great. Rid of, and that's always the p- one that people talk about. Kawasaki great, but Ward could neutralize. On the other side of the draw for me, Deck. Yeah, he is. Well, we'll talk about that in a sec. On the, and then the last one that means we've got Hatton against who was the last one? Frotch. Frotch, yeah. Hatton Frotch. Okay, no, I mean, who are we picking there? <laughs> Let's go straight for Hatton. Frotch. I'm going Hatton. Are you? Hatton's in the gym. Okay, who's going to win out of George Groves and James DeGale? Uh, I'll, I'll win that one. You're two nil up, so you reckon hat trick three nil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well the bad news is <laughs> you're fighting the winner of Lennox Lewis against Tony Bellew. I mean, you probably would you are you picking Len- Lennox long in the tooth? But he is maybe the greatest British heavyweight of all time. But can he beat a younger, fresher Tony Bellew? I'm gonna let you make that call, Dick. I'm, I'm gonna say Lennox. Gonna yeah, let's go Lennox. Yeah. Lennox. Lennox gonna. He's going to nick it. Okay, so we've got two very good semi-finals here. Yep, battle of the jabs. What do we say, Ward Calzaghe, though? I'm going to go Ward. But what are his hands up to? I think, okay. I think he just, he just he talk, he talk Calzaghe. Okay, well, we've got, got George Groves against Lennox Lewis in the first semi-final, semi-final one. Now, bear in mind, you've done three threes. Based on your previous two fights against James Gale, it's going to go the distance. And you're going to have to work for it. I've got, I've got, I've got to have at least twenty years on Lewis, and I. Yeah. As he woke up, like as in physically livened up a bit, and well, he's done the first three. three maybe rounds. did in the quarter, yeah. Just shook it off a little bit. Also, is he thinking there's been no weigh in? This is just Oof. open weigh in. So is he thinking super middleweight? Oh, and no underestimating problem. 103 kilos right hand coming out. He's him. underestimating that whippy body shot as well. I reckon Lewis edges me out. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I reckon just edges. Only On edges points. me out of points. Yeah. Points, what, like split decision? Yeah. Over three? Oh, I, I think. Okay, so I we, don't think he throws a right hand till the third round. Yeah, that's true. The and first, I, th- I don't think it lands. I my, think by then I'm already curled up in a ball. Yeah, you've had ball. enough. All yeah. right, well, then the other semi, I think it's an easier one to pick. You've got fresh Andre Ward, who only fought about two years ago. Oh, to be fair, Ricky Hatton's back in the gym though. So against Ricky Hatton, how's he getting on against Andre Ward, the the neutralizer? Yeah, I think I think he I think he probably gets neutralized. To yeah, be honest, gets points. So then we got a final of Lennox Lewis against Andre Ward. See now 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 Lennox is awake. Yeah, he he's is. up. He's up Finally. for it. He knows. Ward. But is he knackered? I don't think I took it out of him. To be honest, <laughs> tried to sneak the first. Gave away the second yeah. and then tried to bum rush the third. You know, I, I screamed blue murder. Like uh, it was a dodgy, dodgy decision. Um, shoulder gone. Shoulders gone. <laughs> shoulders gone. The, the, the left, the left arm fatigues real quick now. Yeah. And I, and it was a battle of the jabs between me and Lewis. And he's got about six feet on you. A, l- a little bit of a height and reach. <laughs> Andre Ward probably a bit of jet lag as well by then because he probably only flew in on Thursday because he sort of thought take the piss we're, here. We're doing this at Wembley. Not, I, I not, you, Wembley. not your call. No, oh, no, it has to be your call. Your call. Has to be your call in front of, what, 1,200? Yep. Yeah. And he's got no backing, by the way. Ward, he's getting booed. And people are in there for Lennox at this, by this point. Lennox Lewis is Lennox Lewis, to be fair. Probably people put the pie down and have a look at that. But, I mean, you hope that there's a few hundred people in the York Hall to watch Lennox Lewis get... It's only, only who... Only people left are the ones who backed 
Lewis yeah. before it started. Yeah. So how many of them are left? If it ain't great odds, and Ward's how many of them get, are left? I'm sorry, Ward's not getting much much love in your call. And I must say, if you look back at prize fighters, Audley Harrison won, I think, three. So we're talking about big, long, heavyweights, good jab. Go on, and I'll go with that. Lennox Lewis is the winner. Yep. I feel a bit bad for Carl Frotch. You better got to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you could be in the ring at the end, you know, with a postcode lottery check. Yeah, oh, yeah there you the go. big one. For Lennox, there you go. How much? Whatever we take on the bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if Ward could do comms as well that night to save yeah. a few bit of money in between the fights. And Bellew. And Bellew. Because Bellew's going out in the semi, so he could... Right, in the quarters, actually, so we could do the rest of it. I don't think we'll have a problem with it. You, you eight, you're already in. And that was as much like in the Super Series. Once they heard you were in with the belt, they were like, everyone started falling in line. So I think, well, I think we're in business. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, so George, club's open. I feel like that is enough to get you subscribed. And if you haven't already, make sure you do. And it will get better, Deck. I will make you that personal promise now. You're in the club. The club's going to get better. The show's going to get better week on week on week and if you want another podcast to listen to check out the Joe Marler show as I'm sure you're aware Joe is an England rugby player but his podcast is not about rugby instead he's meeting ordinary folk he's meeting bouncers magicians cheesemongers prison guards you name it he's meeting them and I'm asking all about the jobs they do and if you want one episode to start on search for the Joe Marler show and look for the one about drug trafficking it will blow your mind perfect deck we are back next Wednesday, and who have we got? We have got maybe the biggest and most successful boxing trainer in this country at the moment. We're pulling out all the stops. We've got Shane McGuigan. My old coach. Mm. We're getting Shane on to talk about pads. I love talking about pads. I love pads. I love doing pads with Shane McGuigan. He loves taking people on pads. Uh, it's going to be insightful and fascinating, and I'm going to make him laugh because I am hilarious so have we got a feature in mind for Shane already of course I do how many I've got lots I'm not going to give them away yet you're going to have to listen to next week's show to hear it what a feature can't wait we'll see you next week Sports Social Podcast Network it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.